Hello everyone and welcome back to Gent with two gents, uh, me, Gotti, or slash Richard, and Manny as Manny. Manny, how are you? I am doing okay. It's been an interesting week in the industry this week. Mm. Yeah, um, there, there's a lot to talk about. There was a big, a big, big event that sort of continues on, um through but actually i'm going to suggest that our listeners take the time and l listen to the latest episode of the gamers in where they talked about um one of the issues that we're not actually going to cover in today's show and that is that um we had uh a big article come out from polygon jason schreer wrote up a pretty scathing piece on what's going on with bioware and why anthem has suffered the way that it's been suffering there was a reply to that and did you hear about this story yes i've heard a little bit about it i've not looked into it much yet my plan was to do so but i've had such a fucking hectic week that i've just put a lot of gaming stuff to the side unfortunately um but I am keen to find out a bit more about it. I've heard some things like it took nine months for them to make the game is what the the uh timing was or something like that um well it's be it was in concepting for a long time it was in pre production for a long time, and when they had to finish the game approaching a hard deadline it seemed like they had a very accelerated very compact crunch time to get the game together at the end and so yeah the article says that the game really only came together in a matter of months nine months at the outset um wow. for final production and part of that was changing leaderships a lot of stress it, i really do suggest people read the article um after that article came out and in an incredibly fast pe period of time like the article came out um bioware had decided not to to respond to jason for his article but 15 minutes after the article came out they had a reply up which means that they had a reply locked up loaded in the chamber and hadn't actually read the article before they shotgunned this reply out. So that official reply came out and was quite poorly um, received for a number of reasons. And then there was an internal memo sent out, which was a lot more earnest and I felt would have been a lot better if it had been publicly shared but then that leaked out. Jason decided to uh, uh, publish that that memo, and so the drama continues. But again, wow. for the full details, I suggest that everybody listens to this week's TGI with uh, Joss and Ryan. Did a great uh, bit of coverage on this, and I'm sure there is more to come as uh, Bioware tries to right the ship, as it were. 
I'm going to listen to this week's TGI and find out more about this shit because this sounds ridiculous. Yes, yes. But there's a lot to cover this week, even without going in depth into that. So can we uh, get started with the war on your pre-order? Yes. CMA, which I I had to ask you this before we recorded because I still can't remember what it stands for. (laughs) That's okay. That is actually a British government agency that is the uh, Competition and Markets Authority based out of the UK. Oh, yeah. And they are investigating online gaming companies' rollover contracts for stuff like pre-orders. And and... uh, online services as well. Like direct debit, you've had six months of our online service, we're going to charge you for another six months sort of shit. Correct, yes. So there's a number of things that are going on. Uh, The CMA, the the Competition and Markets Authority, they're directly uh, investigating those uh, big companies. So Nintendo, uh, sorry, Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, about their uh, auto renewal terms on your xbox live service or or your playstation uh service they're they're saying that those may have actually run afoul of laws um it's crazy yeah and and so there's a huge fine attached to that if they are found in violation it is like a percentage of their revenue that it just gets taken before tax right out of them So that's a big scare for uh, those companies over there. But they are having fights all over Europe. In Germany, Nintendo is is, uh, suing regarding uh, Germany's new pre-order laws. Um, What are they? What are the new pre-order laws? Well, basically, what it is is that if you pre-order a game, and this is now actually happening in the uh, European Union in general... But if you pre-order a game and you decide that, okay, it it loads ahead of time because it's like, okay, this game's going to go live at midnight, but you can download it ahead of time so you can start playing r- right at the stroke of midnight. Mm-hmm. Previously, once you... <coughs> sorry. Previously, tight. once you downloaded that game, you were... You had then or rather the company had then fulfilled its commitment to you and you had now been locked into your purchase you couldn't get your money back yeah but let's say you were traveling i happened to like head off to like um out of town for the week and i come back and i see those reviews and i'm like oh geez you know what i'm gonna get myself a refund Hmm. that was impossible before however if i've never played the game Right, it's still technically, you know, in packaging and stuff. I've never actually used the service. The new uh, uh, EU laws allow me to get a full refund. If perhaps I don't like the pre-order bonuses and there's a cl- uh, there's a normal edition that suits me just fine, I could refund my pre-order, get the normal edition for the the smaller price, right? And that's another thing that uh, that could. Uh, happen that these companies really don't want um yeah. i mean i know i know why they don't want them but morally this seems like <laughs> only a good thing for us it's it's very much a good thing for consu- consumer rights 
uh, it's just a very scary thing for these companies because they have been pushing pre-orders for ages. Oh, there yeah. are so many things where you get additional content day one, this extra bonus uh, here, um, buy it with day one with the with the with the annual pass or your or whatever and the season pass and we'll knock off this much money off of the season's pass because they know that this is locked in revenue if they can get you to purchase this ahead of time right it doesn't matter if this game bombs in reviews if if it's dead on arrival yeah that the amount of income that they've gotten from pre-orders is set right it's guaranteed to come it looks great for their uh their stock prices when they have their their uh quarterly investors they say hey yeah this game is due out at the end of the quarter but we've already got this much locked in revenue yeah it's already but, sold this much <laughs> exactly but if pre-orders can be refunded then it's no longer guaranteed revenue it yeah. is prone to speculation and especially when we're having launches like anthem that are coming in really rough right mm. then we are it's a big thing uh and it used to be and i think a general a general thing that's been happening with the conversations that we've been having on this show is that a quality product where you are getting a particular game and it is just a great game is is not a guarantee anymore you are seeing things change after the fact where we were talking about how we have battlefront and all of these additional transaction stuff coming in after the fact yeah right where it changes the experience that you originally paid for and now we're seeing that they're fighting back against people who put their money saying like yeah i think this game will be good and if they find out later even if they find out let's say two weeks ahead of time sony was fighting to not allow them to get their money back that's so the the more the more I feel that we do this podcast and the more that I feel that we dig into what big companies are doing, the scummier it seems. <laughs> like <laughs> if you were doing this with a physical product at a store, it would be much friendlier. But because it's online and transformative media, it just seems so underhanded sometimes. Yeah, and it's a big it's a big change in the dynamics of how the how companies really relate with their consumer and i think that's something that i guess as we do this show more i really want to advocate is that you need to be careful with how you spend your money mm -hmm. when you're doing a pre-order a lot of pre-order bonuses are a cool little skin a additional um cosmetic thing nothing that really enhances your experience right whereas before they used to be like the soundtrack and i don't understand why certain games don't say here here's the here's the soundtrack on itunes enjoy yeah 
I think that would be uh, definitely something that would be lucrative. Um, I mean, that I would find value in, in certain games. Like, if I could get Persona 5's soundtrack with, uh, oh, with a... Oh, uh, I'd Pura. love that. <laughs> well, they're doing they're doing a new, per, uh, like, a Persona re-release on the Switch, apparently, so maybe there's still time. Maybe, but, again, it used to be that you got art books with, with uh, these pre-orders remember when you got the collector's edition and it would come with like a little art book or additional cd with the making of stuff things that they had to produce that actually has value in there i remember um, were... sorry Go dark ahead. souls 2 came with like a little figurine of the main the main one of the main characters yeah that was cool <laughs> that's yeah. all i wanted to say um... <laughs> Harkening back to, I because I know a lot of uh, Blizzard products, right? If uh, I were to buy, I guess Cataclysm was the last collector's edition I got. And the Cataclysm collector's edition had, I think, a mouse pad, um, as well as the soundtrack, and a uh, really large box that also had a number of various little things. But then moving into uh, Mr. Pandaria, it was like you got a mount and a pet. Yeah. And it was all digital goods that... The mount is was unique-ish, um, because like, I feel like the model was also... The model's been for... there a while. It was yeah. like the Quillen, I think. It was the Quillen. So I know too much about WoW. Of... <laughs> and, but it showed that they were giving less value-oriented thing. But then on top of that, they also decided that, hey, they were going to do this as a digital thing. And I looked at it and said, you know what? 20 bucks for a pet and a mount? That, that doesn't I don't see the value in that, so yeah. I stopped doing collector's editions. Well, I don't I see believe... the value in a $25 fucking store mount, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, and so spending $20 on on a collector's edition to get a mount and a pet, it doesn't seem worth it to me no. at all. No. So, with, new, with these collector's editions now, I don't see the... the value in the pre-order bonuses and I don't see the value in pre-ordering digital goods at all base level because all you're doing is giving a interest-free loan if you were to say okay instead of putting 60 bucks towards uh, towards this game as a pre-order to lock it in you take that 60 bucks and you throw it in your bank account you might get, let's say it's months away and interest rates are horrible. But even if you only get like four or five bucks on that interest that compounds, right? That's an extra five bucks you've got at the end of the time rather than just throwing it towards a company. Yeah, for a product you don't even know if you'll like or not. Exactly. I've so... never really done pre-orders because it's always been like, well, I don't 
don't know if I'll actually like the game, or maybe my circumstances will change, especially if it's like a month, at least a month away. It's like, well, I don't know what, like, I might not be having as much time to play this game as I thought I might have. Mm. So there's Yeah, there's definitely considerations, but to get you to do that nice little uh, splurge, there's a lot of companies that do a lot of things, especially if they're like, yeah, limited time offer. Uh, get our bonus all those little. And all these little bonuses just to sort of like make you go like, oh, yeah, if I if I spend the money now, I'll get this and this. And it's like, yeah, no, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I think the closest I have to pre-ordering in a way are sort of early access games that I really like. Like Satisfactory is a game I'm probably going to end up buying pretty soon. And that's sort of like the game is nowhere near finished. <laughs> um Sort of the same idea, but I think that's the closest I've gotten to like giving my money to a company early, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Pre-ordering stuff. The only I think the only time I really pre-ordered stuff was WoW expansions. Oh yeah, I I've been pretty bad about WoW expansions, being like, yeah, yeah, I'll buy it now. But at the same time, I've also been able to start generating enough gold. So in some cases, I actually get the game by playing the game so oh, with the release of legion with overwatch and with um i cannot remember oh bfa of course right yeah. uh those are all games that i made enough gold to purchase outright um and i i'm happy for that um because it saves me money at the expense of, I guess, my time. But if I'm enjoying the game, it's time well spent. And this yeah. is just a literally lucrative offer of saving myself some money in the long run. I met a um, person at work yesterday who turns out she's been playing World of Warcraft since the Burning Crusade and ended up talking to her for about two hours. About wow. <laughs> just thought I'd seg- segue in with a personal experience, given we're talking about wow. But yeah, that was cool. Definitely, definitely. I I think it's cool. But back to what we were talking about. I, we've we've sung Nintendo's praises a couple of times about being a a very nice, socially responsible company in many apps in many avenues. But this is one where they are really pushing on the side of greed, where they want to lock this in because it really does affect their ability to show their portfolio as being more stable. Yeah. And that's the big pushback on uh, on this, is that they want these pre-orders because if it's guaranteed locked-in money, that is revenue that they can count on. That is something that, regardless of whether the game performs well or ends up being like heavily discounted two months down the line, that's this many purchases that they know they sold for full price. Mm. And that's where we're getting such a big pushback on this. Yeah. That's a shame. I like Nintendo a lot. I uh, need to play more of their games, actually, because I have, I have a Switch just looking at me solemnly and just going, why don't you play me more? Path of Exiles gets updated every three months. You can wait a, wit- a bit for that. No, Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. I don't. And also, also, along those lines, it's not just like the consoles that are fighting this this is also valve on steam trying Mm. to fight uh, fight for this where it is literally a download 
that you could uh, that uh, you have and it's data if you haven't played the game you should just be able to say you know what no i i've decided that i don't want this product it's as good as um it's as it's good as returning a sealed product back to the store yeah that's the correlation i have in my head as well if i were to take this into a real world scenario it not being a digital product and having it wrapped in the bundle i've not even opened it yet it's ready to go but i just want to return it that's fine but having a game ready to go not touching it and then trying to return it isn't seems strange yeah especially since they don't have to restock it yeah it's very easy yeah. it's the future but it needs needs more you know modern laws around it <laughs> i think yeah for sure and that's where the uh eu law is pushing for for all the uh horror stories that were were uh being told about article 13 which is now actually coming into place into law has actually been passed though that will not be enforced or at least the companies have a bit of time before it is fully enforced, and I believe that is a period of a year or two before those laws go into full enforcement, but they are passed. So now yeah, we it's are... It's happening. Yeah. We have to see how it all plays out, but it is happening. Yeah, that's a bit scary. Especially Definitely. because I don't know enough about Article 13 to really comment, but I've not heard good things. Yeah, there was a because of the wording of the law. The law, uh, the wording is very vague and amb ambiguous, and so it requires that people who have a platform, and we will be talking about uh, companies that have platforms, but companies that have platforms needing to monitor and be responsible for the content on their platforms, and. That's in regards to copyright law. So if somebody streams something on Twitch and they happen to be walking by a nightclub and that nightclub is obviously playing copyrighted material, uh -huh. the, the nightclub could have the rights to it. Totally fine for the nightclub. The Twitch, uh, the Twitch streamer, right? Because they put it on to, uh, because they broadcast it onto Twitch, maybe accidentally, who knows, right? Um, they are responsible for it. But then it goes further that Twitch is now responsible for it. Yeah, and... oh, I remember. I remember. It's all coming back to me now. The absolute malarkey that is Article Thirteen, whatever it's called. Oh my god! Yeah. It seems like such a clusterfuck. Yeah, it's 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 pretty undefensible in the way that it stands right now. Um, you could have companies that decide that it is profitable for them to hire a company to go around, find every single copyright infringement they can, and to sue uh, for the uh, at the full extent that they're able to. Mm -hmm. right and that will cause 
platform uh, platform providers like Twitch, like YouTube, to respond in kind. And the simplest solution suggested is to simply block anything that is not properly curated from being shown in the in uh, the EU, which yeah. means that Twitch will just simply say, if you're in the EU, you cannot access our site. YouTube will say, if you are in the EU, you can only access these stream uh, these uh videos that we have taken the time to uh, ensure are compliant, and any YouTube live is blocked for you. It is going to be a huge impact if it uh, if that's it is not huge. addressed. That's so. That's kind of terrifying, really. It's the sort of stuff we see in TV shows about the future, right? Yeah, yeah, it is quasi dystopian in a way. Yeah, and uh, I- I'm hoping that as things move closer to implementation, there is uh, there is actual thought put towards it. But uh, we will see if it has to actually come to a a uh, lawsuit or some sort of like actual precedent where it goes to the unfortunate extreme before it gets uh, properly reviewed because that may actually be where it's at because despite all the uh, protests that happened from this, it still went through unchanged with the writing that was so heavily criticized. Yeah. Oh, well. (laughs) There's nothing we can do about it now, really. Unless we want to try and protest to get it unchanged. We will see. We will see. We'll see. So we don't live in the on. EU. I think we're good. Yeah. Well, neither of us live in the EU right now, but I do care about um, this sort of stuff because it is a dangerous precedent. Yeah. And then also, I have family in the EU, and I have people that I care about in the EU. And even if I don't know you, I really do want better for you than what is happening right now. Yeah. Exactly. So, in a bit of brighter news, we have had the unionization of tech journalists moving forward. Yay! It's happening! People are coming together. Yes, which is great. Um, This is tech journalists. This is not uh, the... Well, as we were talking about in episode one, we were talking about development team and... Uh, incendiary, uh, sorry, auxiliary roles in game production. This is, uh, again, the journalist side. So these are people who work at companies like Tom's Guides, which do, uh, and Tom's Hi- Hardware, which is a it, which are two sites that I frequent a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Tech Radar, and also more game related stuff like uh, Game Radar and PC Gamer. They have now um, formed together with, I believe, 11 publications wow. to form a union. Yeah. So these are U.S.-based writers. This is a uh, union based in the, in the U.S. And I th- think this is really great. This is 
hopefully something that will have a knock-on effect. It means that uh, they are part. Uh, they are going to become part of the Writers Guild of America, which is the uh, which is the larger union for more traditional um, writers. Mm. And I also think that that is part of moving credibility to these uh, to these newer forms of medium obviously back in the day when it was uh the six o'clock news and your morning edition of the paper uh journalistic integrity was the biggest thing if you had a black mark on your on your record it meant a big deal yeah in the days that we have now where we have a lot of influencers and a lot of people who are just putting out whatever onto their YouTube channels. I was one of those people one time. I was a YouTube channeler. It was a great time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't have uh, to have credentials and you can say whatever you want. And in fact, there are people who say whatever they want purely to grab attention. I'm looking at a particular channel, Heels and Baby Faces, that oh. I have not watched myself, but started showing up in my uh, suggested YouTube channels, and I just i I saw those titles. I saw I decided to like click to see like what the various um, article, or rather, I don't want to say articles. I don't want to even give it that kind of credit credibility, but what videos. Uh, this general was putting up and it's the most in hate inciting stuff he can pull at they're any good if you want to be angry uh other than that uh not the best wow content i'd say <laughs> it's not even wow content he's gone over to everything and i think that's where i first came across it was because i was uh I myself have been critical of World of Warcraft through uh, through uh, BFA's stumblings. Mm. Um, I That's think a good way that, to put it. Yeah, I think that enough of that came into the algorithms that I came across uh, this gentleman's videos. And yeah, it, it's lowest common denominator. It's not. It's not well researched. Like there are scathing articles like like the anthem piece that we were talking about at the top of the show. And then there is the general hate mongering that I will, uh, that I would attribute to heels versus baby faces. It is, it is, it fails to even try to give any explanation or any counter to the narrative that he wants to put forward. And if you can be so unbalanced in any criticism, then your criticism becomes worthless. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, if, if we were more popular, we'd probably be in his next video now. Isn't that funny? <laughs> uh, I, I think he got a reply. Actually, speaking of this, he got a reply from a developer unrelated to uh, the developer he was jumping on because he was uh, speaking about actually a piece that we're going to be speaking about later. 
And so the developer decided to explain the other half of the story and explain why even if you were to accept all the premises of uh, Heels versus Babyface's latest uh, tirade, it I'm gonna, I'm gonna still look him up. doesn't make sense. I'm going to do some live live research here. <laughs> well, I can tell you a, a bit about that um, as we move into our next story. But before we, we uh, do that, was there anything you wanted to say about, uh, I guess, the unionization of tech journalists in the U.S.? It's a very good thing, I think, is what I'm going to say. It is, uh, wow. Sorry, I just I just realized his, his YouTube uh, <laughs> thumbnails are just a whiteboard. I love that. <laughs> yes, yes. That's, <laughs> that's actually genius. <laughs> it's, it's a good way to do a sort of down-to-earth everyman take. Yeah. I think very calculated that he does it like that. So his latest tirade is about the review bombs of Borderlands 3. 3. Which is our next piece of news and the big piece of uh, news that we're going to be talking about today. Borderlands 3 uh, was released, or sorry, rather, was revealed to be an exclusive coming to the Epic's game store. Mm -hmm. This comes after Epic has said that it's going to wind down its exclusives and it's it's sorry about the Metro Exodus thing and that uh, it's really just trying to fight to get the new paradigm that it's pushing, which is the 88-12% split. Is a good thing. Right, as a good thing. And... Honestly, when we look at the cost of games today, they haven't gone up in a long time. I believe it was like the N64 era, PlayStation 1 era, where they jumped 10 bucks in my native land of Canada. Yeah. But they have not jumped since then. Obviously, games have become more and more expensive to make. And despite the fact that games are selling to a larger and larger audience, so those uh, that helps offset some of it, it doesn't offset at all. That's why we're seeing things like these microtransactions. That's why we're seeing add-on purchases like Seasons Passes becoming the norm in the industry to sort of recoup um money and make the make the entire fair more profitable for developers without pushing against that initial sticker price that is so ingrained in the industry. Yeah. Well, I mean, here in New Zealand a a triple A AAA game will cost you a uh, a dollar short of 100. It's like 99.99 basically. Mm-hmm. And it's been that way for quite a few years now. Okay. So yeah, that's that's what the price that a a game can command a AAA game, and like you said, it's been that way for quite a while now. Um, if a game is to sell at retail, the retailer needs to make some money. The 
publisher needs to make some money and then the developer needs to make some money from that just shy of a hundred dollar game the developer sees less than half that money from a if you were to pick up your copy in the the local uh, department store yeah when games moved over to digital much like they have with uh, Steam, Steam decided that they were going to take 30%. That means that of that mere $100 that you would spend in New Zealand, that's still 70 bucks going towards the the uh, developer. Or rather, sorry, I apologize. $70 goes towards the publisher and developer and then the publisher takes its cut and then the developer gets the rest. So now they're getting closer to 50% depending on their deals. But there are a lot of uh, publisher deals where the publisher gets to recoup its costs before the developer sees a dime. So until the publisher, uh, the game sells, let's say, the first X copies and makes, uh, and makes that benchmark of money, the developer doesn't see a penny from it uh, from it after which then they start seeing uh, seeing money it's very convoluted <laughs> going to this new parallel or this new paradigm of a 8812 split where $88 of that $99 is now going between the developer and the producer and the developer that means that even if the producer says we get paid first they're going to make their money back on far less copies sold and the developer is going to see their uh return on their money a lot faster yeah even selling the same amount so it's really um, it's really just fair enough why they're wanting to go on the Epic Games Store if it's that lucrative. Correct. But Steam has a stranglehold. It is people are so upset that they are review bombing because they need to download the Epic Game Store to pay the same money that they were going to pay on Steam anyways. Yeah. Right? That is a that is a such a monopoly that they have a stranglehold on the mindset of players and that is really hard to break and the only and the way that uh epic is pushing that is by using these exclusives is by strategically picking games that they know people will want to play so that people go okay you know what fine i'm going to download the epic store the other way that they're doing it is they're literally giving some games away for free i downloaded the epic game store not because of any of these exclusives but because they were giving away subnautica for free oh and... yeah i missed out on that because um you know fucking underwater sea game no thank you but it was cool <laughs> cool idea well i saw i saw jocelyn moffitt uh, sorry, Jocelyn Kearney, uh, play that game, thought it was really cool, and so when 
uh, this uh, this came about, and my friend told me, hey, free game, go get it. That made me go, yeah, I'll download this Epic Game Store. It is the same thing with Origin and Mass Effect 3. They did uh, they did the exclusives first, where they're like, listen, download it on Origin, that's the only place you're going to get it on PC. It's the same thing with Blizzard and all their titles. Download it off the Battle.net app. Right. Yeah. The, uh, but people aren't screaming about that because Blizzard's some sort of special snowflake. That doesn't quite make sense to me. Um. And Blizzard gets to, or rather, Activision Blizzard gets to pocket one hundred percent of the uh, money, so they make pure profit on that. Um. The further encouraging thing that people would want to use or other developers that would would want to use an epic store exclusive is that if they sell a game through epic and they use the unreal 4 engine uh the licensing fees to use that engine are waived which means that their development costs are incredibly reduced as well that's amazing yeah so there's a lot of good for it um the the big thing is customer choice yes we've said it here on this show before and it's been said all over is that i want choice i want to be able to choose whether i'm going to download this game on steam because i've got all those features and all the community stuff that i like on steam versus this new epic store which has a bare bones and really in some places dysfunctional setup and i would rather that the epic store be brought up to become a proper piece of competitive uh software following that roadmap that they have put out um, rather than them trying to force me to say, screw it, I know it's bad, but I really want this game. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. And that's where the review bombs started. People who are principled enough to say, I dislike that enough that I'm going to make my voice heard looked for a place to make their voice heard and that was by targeting the previous borderland games and all the games in the borderland series that are available on steam and writing incredibly negative reviews for those games suddenly borderlands 2 which previously was getting incredibly good reviews is now mired in a mix of negative and positive reviews. Yeah, I'm just investigating this now, and it really is... I don't know. Just... I don't like it. I mean, I know, I understand why people are upset, I really do, but at the same time, you're you're protesting against it being on the epic store by protesting it on steam 
which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's... it's just, I don't know, like, I, 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 I get that, you know, you don't want to play it on the Epic Games Store. I totally understand that, and you're comfortable with Steam, but I think you're right, Manny, in saying that Steam has such a monopoly that now they have a monopoly on how people feel about games even being on 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 the platform. And I'm gonna give it a go on Epic. I'm not I'm it's it's a minor inconvenience for me because I now have to download the Epic Game Store and then buy the game and then play it. Um that's all it is for me. I'm sh I know it's a lot more serious for a lot of other people, especially people who are hardcore gamers. But it's just it just seems so I don't I don't want to say petty because I understand it's a real issue, but it just seems so weird to me that people are sticking up two fingers to the Epic Games Store by downloading previous titles on steam it just seems so weird to me yeah i think that the reasons behind it are principled and just right yeah there is this company that is doing something that you do not agree with that you that i can see erodes customer choice and the power of fans of the game Right, I can understand why they are upset. I think that review bombs for anything that is tangential, right, and only loosely related to how good a particular title is, are worthless. If somebody sees that. the first game in a in a series is good and then they see that the second part is on this other other store and they go okay well i'm going to go get the uh, go get the other store that's the decision they've made if you bomb the first game and they say oh the series isn't that good and then they decide not to do anything with the series you haven't hurt them you haven't hurt um the company that does the storefront directly you've really only done like a token show of disapproval which is highly yeah. ineffective yeah right if if suddenly after borderlands 3 went live borderlands 2 suddenly get it started getting like a lot more attention and people said Borderlands 2 is great continue playing this game here down uh and those sales spiked when 3 became available that would give them pause yeah right i think th them making sales on Borderlands 2 when the new shiny is out would make them think about it they'd be getting money but not from their exclusive. And then they might consider, wait a second, 
like maybe we should have been on Steam if everybody's buying two because three is is uh, in a place that they don't want to get it. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's so foreign this idea to me, and I agree. Like it, it is just people protesting, and it's really the only way they can do it, really. But yeah, like you're only hurting yourself, I think, in a lot of aspects. Especially when the comments aren't criticisms of the game, they're fuck you Epic Game Store. Yeah. Which is Which... obviously, you know, what Steam is trying to do with getting rid of this view botting is comments like that will go. I mean, I don't know if I like it or not that they remove it, but I, I feel that in this case it's going to be better for the long-term health of the game if they do curate it somewhat. Um, especially if it is just people giving a negative review for a reason outside of the game they're reviewing. Yeah, and I think that's the next step of this, is that now, after these review bombs uh, started coming in, Steam has enacted what they said they were going to enact, which is a moderation of reviews in their store. And so Steam has removed a lot of the review bombs, um, marking them as off-topic and them not applying to the Metascore. People can still see it if they dig deep enough, but those reviews have now been pushed away from uh, from the light. Um, I think that is actually a great move by Steam, especially since we have been saying on this show that we want them to moderate their community within reason and this yeah. is a within reason yes there has been false positives i in a system that is somewhat automated because i don't believe that you can go through uh, you can fight a review bomb with a single person sitting down and combing through it all i think it needs to be an automated thing that they flag it that uh that it looks for keywords and removes stuff. If you decide that your review was a false positive, you should then be able to appeal your review, and that can be a a uh, service that goes through somebody, right? Um, and in I think that's the most fair way to do uh, do this. Yeah, I mean most most people who get their comments removed are most likely not going to care too much unless it's like a proper review from someone who's like a Steam curator, has like her own curator page or something like that. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely something. But I think the onus is on stores that provide a form, that provide a platform to curate those platforms. And this is right along the lines of what we were saying when we were talking about the scandalous games like Rape Day. Oh, you yeah. can't just let it be a free-for-all. Anybody can do whatever they want with the tools you provide them. You cannot just leave a loaded gun on the table, walk away and say, it's not my fault. Right? That's, that's negligence. In the case of a gun, it's criminal negligence. In the case of a form or a platform like 
the Epic Game Store, like Twitter, like um, like Steam, it's socially negligent. Mm. And so curation, I think, is a responsibility of anybody who creates the, these sort of platforms. Oof. Yeah. I know what you mean, and I do agree with you. It, it, there has to be some sort of responsibility. It can't just be a free market at totally free at all times. There does need to be some accountability for when things like games like Rape Day come online on your on your site. There does need to be some parenting there, shall we say. Yeah. And going back again to Article 13... If something is flagged for copyright infringement, then Twitch or YouTube should should be given a period of time to act upon that video. If they decide that, or sorry, on that broadcast, if they decide that if it gets flagged by uh, this many people, or by a particular company that they have whitelisted to say, if you flag this, we will we will act immediately, mm-hmm. right? And then later on, they say, okay, you can appeal this. Then that is the decision they make. And they really should just go with whatever system they feel is best. If they lean too hard towards moderation, they stifle their platform, people will move to the next platform. If they leave it as a free-for-all, the damage that it can cause to even society, because at the end of the day, these industries that work with creative uh, medium, such as YouTube, such as uh, video games, they do shape societies. Yeah. We have had so many conversations in the past, especially in the U.S., about shooting games causing people to become violent and there's been studies that say that is not an issue uh, that is not something that actually happens that is just basically propaganda yeah but governments still uh, still uh debate the subject from time to time this is the same thing on a microcosmic level there is a responsibility for people who provide a platform to ensure that that platform is used with some accountability, with some sort of restraint. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Shall we get on to games we've been playing before we wrap Definitely. up the show? Because I've played Sweet Fuck All, because I've been so busy. <laughs> I've played a little bit of Path of Exile in between some assignments. And mm-hmm. they've sort of reworked the recent league they came up with because it's so overly complicated it's not worth doing, basically, is the problem it's in. And there's still a bit of that with the crafting you can do in the game. Like, there's a way to make base items, basically, by combining free fractured items, which are items you pick up in the game. And it's basically not worth doing unless you are super hardcore into the game which I am not. I am not that good. I just like playing it. So I'm just picking up the fractured items, seeing if they're good, and then otherwise just binning them. Um, but the whole memory nexus mechanic they have is a lot better. It's a lot less uh, 
it feels less like a job and more like a fun side thing, which is what it needed to be. So overall, it seems like good changes for the Path of Exile thing. Probably worth, if you've not played it yet, um, giving it a go now with the changes. And I'm so happy you said that, because honestly, like I was playing with it. We both started the season together, and yeah. I was going through a couple of these nexuses, and I was just like, I, I don't get it. I'm going to wait till somebody else figures this out, and I had yeah. fallen off. Hearing that it is like far more accessible, yeah. Okay, I'm going to give this another shot. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Um, they unfortunately just missed the mark with a few things, but, you know, it happens. Um, there's so much to do in that game at the moment, I honestly feel it might even be a negative point right now, is there is so much to do at Endgame that it feels like you're never really targeting one specific area. You're having to do all of it just when you have the mm. ability to do it. But, you know... Better to have too much than too little sometimes, so meh. But it does feel a bit like there's too much to do. And other than that, I played a little bit more Sekiro. I got over a really hard boss, which was fun. I lightning reversaled him, which does what it sounds like. And now the game has opened up to a lot of different branching paths, which to me in a Souls game means that I'm at the part that's like midway through the game it tends to be when they have like you can go to three different areas all from this one location choose which one and good luck uh -huh. um, is basically what it said to me so we'll see how that goes I've managed to stay mostly spoiler free I've had a few other things spoiled for me just because the game's been out for a while now and people have finished it multiple times and there's stuff on YouTube. But I think for the most part, I have managed to avoid stuff like the final boss and shit like that and deeper level areas. So, yeah, what have you been playing, Manny? Oh, oh before we move into that, um, I'm Gotti. I'm, I'm going to give you a heads up and I guess our listeners a heads up. Get through as much of that game as possible because there will be a conversation about that game um next week because oh. that is something that we left out of this week and people who know what the conversation is about uh shadows die twice can guess what we are going to be talking about next week do you want to know yes someone did the final boss with a cheat <sighs> yes Gas. yes and that has created a larger conversation about game difficulty and whether games really should ha all games should have multiple difficulties to be open to the broader audience and i'm not going to say anything about it now but it is something we will definitely be talking about in the next episode mm, definitely but as for me what i've been playing other than wow because i've been <laughs> pushing some things in in world of warcraft to get set up for all sorts of other things that are coming. But beyond that, I finally got a good amount of time in uh, MTG Arena. Oh, good, good, good. I never got around to playing it. Ah, okay. I am generally quite happy about it. Um, obviously, I'm jumping in later, so there are people around that have much more developed card pools than I do. But in general, I'm loving the game. I really do love how intuitively they've they've set it up so that when you have cards that can be used in a situation, it will allow you the opportunity to use those cards. But if you don't have the cards, 
it will just streamline it through. It is the perfect mix of paper magic where you can go like, oh, stop for a second. I need uh, I need to respond to that. Yeah. And the Hearthstone experience, which is just like, I don't get to do anything on your turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the Hearthstone experience I'm, we know yeah. and love. I'm not sure about love anymore. But <laughs> regardless, I am quite happy with the way that they set up the UI. They have also included all the uh, all the cards from standard, and they have some other cards from later or rather earlier sets that they have brought in. They're quite generous with the rewards. You get to build up your card pool quite quickly. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and that's that's great. It never feels like I'm really grinding. Um, I was playing the practice mode against the AI to sort of like get my first couple of wins in to try and unlock some stuff. I was playing a mono green deck with like the big uh, the big creatures. I don't want to go too much into uh, MTG lingo. Yeah, people who have heard me talk in uh, World of Warcraft, that's nothing compared to how I talk about magic. <laughs> um, but playing the uh, playing the decks. Decided to play against players, went up against an- another player reasonably starting out new because I guess they have like sort of an MMR system to like make sure that you don't get thrown to the sharks. Won a bunch of games in a row and they just said, they said, okay, maybe we do need to throw this guy to the sharks. At which point I got my butt handed to me. <laughs> but I still enjoyed it. I'm very glad that I was able to enjoy a game so much while losing. And, uh, that's not something that happens often in Hearthstone. So definitely saying that MTG Arena is uh, is a fun experience so far. Well, I, I'll have to give it a go once I've got this other bloody assignment out of the way, which should be by Wednesday, I hope. We'll see how we go. Anyway, I think that about wraps up the show. Got anything else to talk about, Manny? No, no, that is it. We will be back again next week for episode nine. Uh, eight, I think we're at. Oh yes, yes, you're right. Episode eight, eight next. Sorry, I already started a document. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just I just added episode eight on there. Awesome. All right, see you later, guys, and thanks so much for listening. Bye bye. Bye.